Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hiking through the wooded mountains, you'll find beautiful scenery. But that serenity will soon turn sinister when those dark and strange things begin to crawl out of their hiding places looking for you. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails, and today we'll be enjoying some allegedly true scary stories that happened in the mountains, as well as some new ghost stories. Follow and rate Unexplained Encounters on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to support the show. Also, send us your scary stories at darkstories.org to have them narrated. We're looking for middle-of-nowhere stories. Now, let's begin. Something in the Colorado Cabin From Just Some Random Texan Back in August, my friend group and I went on a road trip to an Airbnb cabin hidden in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. It was a very small town, which took less than five seconds to pass on the highway. Because of this, we actually missed our turn at first, because it was the only intersection in the entire town, and it wasn't marked at all. Our cabin was 30 minutes down winding dirt roads, hidden in some woods. It was an older, but still very beautiful, three-story log cabin. Originally, there were going to be more than 10 of us, but some of us got the Rona, and others had to stay home for work. So, in the end, only about seven people were in the cabin. Weird things quickly began as we were settling in. We heard footsteps coming from areas where none of us were. Doors opened and closed on their own. We tried not to think too much of it, rationalizing it as wind or drafts. After all, we had doors open, carrying stuff in from our cars. If it wasn't that, then maybe it was some animals on the roof or something. Later that night, we were all smoking and drinking, just like a bunch of 19 to 22 year olds would on an unsupervised trip to Colorado. That's when things got even more interesting. Doors slamming, what sounded like whispers coming from empty rooms, and even more footsteps. By then, we were starting to get freaked out a little bit, but again, we tried to explain it away. Maybe we were hearing other people at cabins down the road. We knew they were there because we'd seen them walking out earlier, and we'd passed by their cabins on the way to ours. The second day, we'd gone exploring. I brought a camera with me and caught a couple of odd shadows, but those may have been just tricks of the light filtering down through the trees but the woods itself gave off a very strange and unsettling vibe, like something was off. A few spots in the cabin had the same energy. That night was about the same, smoking and drinking, footsteps, voices, and doors. The third day is when things started getting a little more strange. A few incidents happened. One of us, Ricky, went out exploring again with Ethan, another one of our group, We'd made a very strict rule that no one was to venture out alone, not even by car. They ended up getting separated, and Ethan came back first, saying he didn't know where Ricky was. Then Ricky showed up, saying he had fought a snake and almost lost. We got on them about getting separated, but we ended up joking with Ricky, saying that he almost lost to a tiny snake. He did admit it was only a small garter snake. Later on, a more serious incident happened. Sarah, 
one of the girls in our group was slicing limes for drink mixers and cut a slice off the tip of her thumb. But from the way everyone screamed, you'd think she had cut off her whole thumb. That's what I actually thought, so I kept suggesting we call an ambulance until I learned how small it was. She got over it quick. Later on, she ended up chasing Brooke, the other girl who's very squeamish about injuries, trying to shove her cut thumb in her face. What happened a couple of hours later, though, was really what made the night scary. Ricky was on the ground floor by himself, picking up a few things after we'd had a big game of pool in the game room. Suddenly, we heard him scream. What the heck was that? We all ran downstairs to see what had scared him. We found Ricky staring at the door to the laundry room, which was one of those rooms that had a strange vibe and we'd heard other sounds coming from it. He explained that he'd heard a girl's voice coming from inside that room. Then we all heard another sound, like a voice. We all went quiet, listening closely. I got out my phone and I began to record. A few seconds later, we clearly heard a girl's voice say, Hello. Although it came out rather quiet in the video. The video will be linked in the description if you want to hear it. Now, of course, we all go absolutely nuts because we know for a fact that no one was in that room. We were just in there not 15 minutes earlier. We all began to storm up the stairs and Jack... Sarah's boyfriend actually pushes Sarah and Matthew, another guy in the trip, behind him so he can get up the stairs faster. Now we're all understandably terrified at this point. Matthew just kind of sits down on the floor in shock. Brooke tries to rationalize it, saying if it's another one of Sarah's tricks, she's walking right out the door. Sarah's known for pulling pranks on us. Harmless ones, though. We then hear Ricky in the background saying, I'm about to throw some hands, although I'm not sure who he thinks he's going to fight. A ghost? Good luck with that. Brooke goes back downstairs, and the video ends there. But she hears the voice again, and comes screaming back up the stairs. We pour some drinks and smoke some, trying to forget what happened, by talking to some coyotes we hear out in the woods while sitting on the balcony. The following day, another incident happens. Ricky makes the dumb decision to leave and explore the woods by himself, while the rest of us are still sleeping. My room was on the ground floor, by the way, less than 20 feet from the laundry room. The rest of us wake up, and understandably get very worried. Before long, we get ready to go search for him, but then he walks back in the cabin. His jacket is torn, and he's got some small cuts and bruises. We absolutely go off on him for breaking our golden rule. Turns out he'd gone out to record a TikTok and slipped on a cliff. He would have died if he hadn't miraculously grabbed onto a tree root and a rock. The drop would have been about 150 feet onto solid rocks. We were sitting there thinking our trip had been cursed because weird stuff keeps happening. The rest of the day goes by pretty smoothly. Normal footstep sounds and doors doing their thing. But that night, more than once, we caught Ricky on the ground floor seemingly flirting with someone, but he actively denies it, even now. But he was saying things like, I really like you, and I'm sure you're beautiful, to something that wasn't there. He didn't have his phone on him at the time either, and he wasn't wearing AirPods. We think he was trying to flirt with the ghost, or something paranormal was just messing with his mind. The fifth day, which was our last full day there, was a big adventure. Five of us went to a park to check out an alpine slide. Really fun, it's called Winter Park, by the way, and I highly recommend it. Matthew and Ethan stay back for two reasons. One, they couldn't afford admission. And two, they were starting to get the cabin ready for us to leave. The five of us that were going piled into my little coupe. The only other car was Ethan's, and we set off through the mountains. This time we paid attention to the amount of sheer drops out there, always on one side of the road. At one point, we were at a spot with a particularly long drop off our left side, when suddenly around a near blind corner, there are a few mountain goats standing in the road, 
I slammed on my brakes and began to lose control of the car. My car was older and didn't have anti-lock brakes. We were sliding right towards that huge drop, but thankfully, I got the vehicle to stop. Our discussion then went back to how the trip felt. Our discussion then went back to how the trip felt cursed, because none of the cars we passed that were driving the opposite direction had tried to warn us about the goats. Anyway, we finally got to the place and had some fun. Then we went back to the cabin without any further incidents. That night, our last night, we had a big smoke session and some jello shots, and I was outside with my camera on a tripod, taking some night sky shots, which turned out pretty well in my opinion. That was when I glanced at the cabin, and I swear to God, I saw the pale face of a girl, a face that did not belong to any of my friends. It was looking at me from my bedroom window. I rubbed my eyes, and when I looked back, she was gone. I went inside to investigate, completely forgetting my camera. I didn't see anything, so I then went back to the group to finish our little party. Other than seeing the girl, no more major paranormal things happened that night. The next morning, we got packed to leave, and I, being the only Christian of the group, said a small prayer and told any entities in the cabin that they weren't allowed to come home with us. Nothing had felt demonic or evil up to that point, but there was that feeling that something was wrong. A couple of us swear to have actually heard a voice say, Goodbye as we were walking out the door for the last time. Overall, this was the most terrifying, but also the most fun experience of my life. But even after only a few weeks, the experience felt like a fever dream. We do plan on going back one winter to be able to go skiing and to see the mountains covered in snow. If we stay at the same cabin, I'll be bringing some ghost hunting gear with us, namely an EVP recorder, thermal camera, a cheap digital camera that's not my expensive rig, EMF detector, and maybe a spirit box. I'll post another story, if anything happens on the trip. Never go to Yellowstone. From not going to work, sorry. I'm a 22-year-old guy, and I don't really know where to post this, but I thought it would be as good a place as any. It all started on a road trip through the national parks out west. My friends, some guys the same age, and I wanted a fun way to celebrate graduating from college, especially after such a crazy year, getting sent home during our final semester due to the Rona and graduating online. We hoped that some fresh air would rejuvenate us before we started real adult life in our jobs. We'd all decided to meet at our favorite bar near our college for one final drink to reminisce about the great times we had. We drove around the eerily empty campus. There wasn't a soul in sight. This probably should have just been a sign for us to cancel, as the Rona certainly wasn't showing any signs of stopping, but we ignored it. We were simply too excited. About 160 miles into our trip, we ran into our first of many problems. The car began to overheat. Don't get me wrong, it was a newer BMW, so we didn't think that anything like this was going to happen. But German cars will be German cars. We took it to an auto shop and got it fixed in a couple of hours, as it was an easy coolant leak, and it just needed a new hose. This was another sign that we all just chose to overlook. Oh, how I wish we would have just cut our losses and gone home at this point. Nevertheless, we trekked on, driving another few hundred miles without any issues. We were all so excited, singing our favorite songs, playing random apps to pass the time, and judging random girls on Tinder that we matched with along the way. However, it was around St. Louis that we would run into our second problem. A flat tire... Once again, we ignored this sign and pulled into a random tire shop, got it fixed, and we were on our way once again. After two days of driving, we finally reached Denver. We saw this as a great point to stop for a day and enjoy the city. 
while it was still pretty much shut down, we still made the most of our time there. The next day, we continued on, hoping to reach Yellowstone by night, but we would run into another big issue. We popped yet another tire. Again, we were near a city, Casper, Wyoming, so we were able to get it fixed quickly and continue our trip the next day. This should have been the final straw. We should have turned back. We'd already blown through most of our budget just from fixing the car. However, we thought, we've already made it this far, what else can go wrong? Oh, how wrong we were. When we pulled into the campsite the next day, we eagerly set up our tents and went on a quick hike. Somehow, we were the only ones at our campsite, as it seemed people were still staying home from the Rona. At the time, we saw this as a massive plus, because to us it meant we could get as drunk and rowdy as we wanted to that night. And as the sun set, that's just what we did. However, something felt off the whole time. You know that feeling you get when you walk in the woods late at night, and you just feel like you aren't alone? Like someone or something is watching you? Like you don't belong there, and you're intruding on something else's territory? That's exactly how I felt the entire time. So, while my friends were getting blasted, I built as big a fire as I could, hoping to give myself a sense of safety and ease my anxiousness. Once I finished, however, a feeling of dread washed over me. I'd never felt so scared in my entire life. It came out of nowhere without any explanation. I decided to call it a night after this, hoping that I could just sleep it off while my friends carelessly drank and played loud music that echoed throughout the valley. I was able to sleep until around 3.40, when I was awakened by something scratching the ground outside our tent. I quickly woke my friend up, asking, what the heck was that? He groggily told me that it was probably a bear, because they had left some garbage on the ground. I went back to sleep, foolishly trusting my friend's explanation. I would wake up a couple more times before the sun rose, hearing more noises throughout the early morning. When we all woke up, we got out of the tent to find enormous scratch marks all over the ground, surrounding our tent. It almost looked like it formed a big circle around our tent. And these were no ordinary marks. They were made up of three distinct lines going nearly two inches into the dry dirt. My friends decided to once again blame a bear, despite the trash being left alone and no visible bear tracks. While this spooked me, I knew that we were all larger guys, and we were armed with large knives. We had bought them as a joke for the trip, in case we ran into Bigfoot, but that's another story. We continued our day like the one before, going on long hikes throughout the park, enjoying our last full day there, before moving on to the next park. I don't know why we did this. I wish we hadn't done this. But before going to bed that night, we jokingly made Bigfoot calls to lure back whatever creature had bothered us the night before. We then scurried back into the tent and got into our sleeping bags, the way little kids do when they know they aren't supposed to be up during a sleepover, and hear a parent coming down the stairs. Anyway, the forest seemed particularly loud as we were trying to fall asleep. So many different bugs so many little animals rustling through the brush nearby. It all seemed normal at the moment. However, I woke up around 1.45 to something very different. The entire forest had gone silent. Now I'd heard when the woods go silent, a predator is nearby. I chalked this up to being the bear from the night before paying us yet another visit. Hoping to catch a glimpse of this bear, I slowly unzipped the door with my flashlight aimed out towards the woods. That's when I saw it. This image still haunts me to this day. Standing only ten feet away from our tent was a massive pale creature. 
On all fours, it had to have been around four and a half to five feet tall. It had grossly long arms with three sharp claws. To put it into perspective, one of its hands was next to a Bud Light bottle, and the claw was the same size. Thankfully, it was facing away at the time, so I quickly turned off my flashlight and re-zipped the tent. Silently, I awoke my friends, whispering to them what was going on as they slowly woke up. Obviously, none of them believed me, so they reached for their lights and reopened the door to the tent. Standing there, only five feet from the tent now, was that creature. This is when we saw its eyes. Huge, black eyes that felt as if they were looking through me, right into my soul. It stood there quietly, almost as if it was sizing us up, determining if we were worth the effort. Horrified, one of my friends made a quick movement to grab his knife. In response, the creature made a blood-curdling cry, revealing razor-sharp teeth. It leapt at the tent, landing on top, almost crushing us below. It began to wildly scratch at the tent, tearing it apart with mad fury. We scrambled to get out any way we could, hoping to escape our near-certain deaths. One of my friends and I were able to squeeze out through cuts in the tent, while the other two were still stuck inside under the crushing weight of that thing. Now free, my friend and I knew that we'd have to get the creature away from the tent if we wanted our friends to survive. I quickly ran to the nearly dead fire, grabbing one of the few sticks still lit in the hope of scaring it off. I sprinted at the creature with it, looking like a wild man with a torch. However, this only seemed to startle the creature. It took a few steps off of the tent, then stopped, as if first gathering itself before attacking again. My other two friends, still stuck in the tent, took this as an opportunity to get out, as there likely wouldn't be another. We all ran for the car as fast as we could, not looking back, slamming the door shut behind us. Right as the last car door shut, we felt the creature slam into the trunk of the SUV, shaking the entire car. It rammed the car a few more times before beginning to circle it, staring us down. Luckily, my friend had left his keys in the car. After all, we had been the only ones at the campsite. We were able to get it started. This also gave us a better view of the creature. Its off-white skin reflected the LED lights back at us. It was then that the scariest part of the whole experience happened. The creature slowly approached my door, taking cautious step after cautious step. I quickly locked my door and cowered in fear with my other friend in the back seat. As it got closer, it began to look directly at the handle. Then, steadily, it reached out its arm and stuck its claw in between the handle and the door, almost as if it had opened a car door before. It tried to pull the handle multiple times, getting angrier with each failed attempt. Luckily, at that moment, my friend who had been paralyzed with fear had snapped out of it and put the car in drive, flooring it. I've never seen anyone drive that fast in my life. We zipped through the roads as fast as we could, not even checking the rearview mirror to see if it was chasing us. We only stopped once we made it to Cody, Wyoming, needing to fill up our tank as we were running very low after such intense driving. Finally getting out, we looked at the damage, specifically the rear. The entire back hatch had been dented in several inches. I think this was when we realized how close we'd come to the creature killing us inside that car. One more good hit and the trunk door would have fallen off, giving easy access to four tasty humans trapped in an aluminum can. We eventually made it back to our campus, where we split up and we went our separate ways. I think the friend whose family owned that vehicle told his parents that a truck had pulled a hit and run or something along those lines to explain all the damage, but we all knew we couldn't tell anyone about the experience or we'd be called liars or crazy. This was something that continues to haunt me to this day and it's why I will never visit a national park again as long as I live. Take this story as a warning to avoid them.
unless you want to come face to face with a monster. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. October and December Happenings From Jade October is said to be the month where the veil is the thinnest between us and the other side. Being a pagan, I believe in many gods, stories, and believe this statement to be very true. I live in Virginia near the mountains, and the property I live on is small but nice. There are plenty of strange stories I could tell you but I'll settle for a few that happened in October of 2021 and October and December of 2020. The first story was told to me by one of my friends. For context, we've always felt like there was something around my house and the farmlands around it. Between my sister having been outside and hearing knocking sounds that grew near her, and my brother hearing things outside at night, we think it's something not friendly. They say calling it by its name brings it closer. Maybe this is payback for the time I said it so freely as an atheist. Too many strange things happen for me to stay one, though. For now, though, I call them not dear and tailless things. On Halloween night of 2020, I was having fun, working at a local haunt that has since been closed down. The place was easy to keep going because we required no contact with people, as they would be pretend zombies that were shot at by nerf bullets and all that. My friends and I decided to do the haunt together, though Mal had an asthma attack and we had to leave early. Upon trying to leave, we noticed the full moon in the sky, and around it was a ring, like a snake biting its tail sort of ring. Now, as pagans, we could only think of it as an omen. After all, it was Halloween with a full moon, with a symbol in the sky. Many theories range from Norse, alchemic, or Native American, but all pointed to one thing, a bad omen. We pushed it to the back of our minds, and they drove me home for the night. I told them to be careful while leaving. It was a foggy night, and around the mountains, deer like to jump out in front of people. With that, we exchanged goodbyes and hugs, before I went inside to warm up and clean up. I didn't know it at the time, but our bad omen was true in a way. Mal told me a few weeks later, admitting he didn't want to scare me that night, but on the drive out of my area on the back road, something jumped out in front of my friends. My current friend with them said it was lanky, tall, running on all fours with pale skin. She didn't see the features in detail as Mal swerved to miss it and floored it out of there. Later that night, they all cleansed their rooms before bed, 
The next story is one my grandmother told me. I call her my mom because she raised me. Now, my grandmother is an evangelical Christian, a strict one at that. She doesn't believe our house is haunted or cursed in any way, and she's a firm believer that this house is blessed, despite all the things that have happened to her in it. This might have changed that. It was late, nearing November of 2021, just at the tail end of October. Important to note, my sleep schedule is not the best. Needless to say, and I quote from one of my favorite streamers, usually my sleep schedule gets destroyed and it, like, alternates every week. So this was why I didn't see this, but she did. One morning, my grandmother, aka mom, asked me if anything strange happened the night before. I was only up to about 11pm, but I do remember something happening. Knocking sounds at the door, three times. My brother heard it too and looked at me wide-eyed in terror. There shouldn't have been anyone at the door at that time. My sister was already home and it was late. Then there were three more knocks after that, and we just stared at the door. I am superstitious as it is, and according to stories, three knocks mean something wants to be let inside. I steeled myself and said firmly, You're not welcome inside. And after that, no more knocking. I shrugged it off but told mom we heard knocking last night while she slept. She stared at me, saying, Something strange happened to me early in the morning. The sun near our house doesn't fully illuminate things until after 7, but just before 5.30, you can see shapes and outlines well enough. She told me she was sitting near the living room window, looking outside like she always does, across the field, when something bright began to fall from the sky. She said it was like an orb of fire, and fell into the field, hovering, before darting to her. It took my mom a moment to react, and in the time she thought to react, it just vanished into thin air. No trace of it at all. It spooked her. She wasn't sure what it was but I told her strange things have always happened around here. She just stared at me, and I left as my stepdad talked with her about some things he knew. Hook-Handed Man From Dogman97 This happened so fast and so long ago, I can barely recall what even occurred. What I do remember is how badly it affected me as a child, and how easy it is to confirm it with my cousins and my sister, that it really did happen. We still talk about it to this day. We had a static caravan in a place called Thirsk in England. It was pretty small, maybe 15 to 16 caravans, a pub, and a little play area out front, where I spent most of my time playing with my cousins. There was this rusty old tractor that just sat dormant for years there, kind of like a statue for the caravan park. The locals said it belonged to a man who used to farm the land before it was a caravan park, but he was murdered by his brother. Long story short, his brother killed him and cut off his left arm and right hand to make it look like an accident with the tractor. But he was caught and hanged by the locals. Now, there was nothing really creepy about it at the time, but now it freaks me the heck out, knowing we used to climb and play on that tractor. One day, my cousins, my sister, and I were playing on and around the tractor. I suddenly slipped and fell on it, cutting my ankle open pretty bad. As I fell off of it, my foot got stuck, and I was dangling upside down. At the time, I was pretty certain I was going to die being as young as I was. What I do remember was a man rushing over to me while my cousins and sisters were running away screaming. I was hoisted up by something gripping the collar of my shirt. Then my foot came loose, and I fell on the grass safely. The scariest part was I didn't see who it was, but my cousins and sister were extremely adamant that it was a man with one arm and a hook hand. After he rescued me, he vanished into thin air according to them. My sister said he was tall and skinny, had dark jeans, and a dirty green long sleeve shirt. He had no hair with a dirty muddy face, 
and his eyes looked like gray holes. Yeah, we do bring this up every time we get into the idea of us all going camping or whatever. It still very much exists in all our minds. Personally, I had a lot of trouble coping with what happened. I sometimes believe I was inches from death, and I somehow managed to cross worlds, and he also did at the right time to stop me falling and breaking my neck. I had nightmares about deformities for months. I saw a woman in white, from Parking Amphibian 647. I'm a guy in his early 20s. I lived in Texas at the time this happened. I'm now a scout in the United States Army. Back then, though, about three years ago, I worked at Olive Garden to pay for community college as my plan at the time was to become a police officer. The Olive Garden I worked at was about a 30-minute drive through the forested areas, just outside of the Houston city limits. I enjoyed the commute, especially in the dead of night after a long shift. I am a solitary person by nature, and I love the night, and I love to drive, so that time was very therapeutic for me. One night I was coming home, listening to music, taking some drags off of my vape in the car. Just nicotine, no other stuff. I stopped at the stoplight that was just around the corner from my street. The time was about 1.30am. There was only one other car waiting for the light, a jet black F-150 that was in the left turn lane across the street. I was turning left as well, and so we sat there for a moment, just waiting for the light to turn green. The street lights lit the intersection fairly well here, but the forest around us was black as night so most people would honestly think it was a pretty spooky street, especially with how narrow it was. But I'm just not really bothered by that stuff. I was just relaxing and ready to get home and get my uniform off. The truck's light turned green before mine, so he began to turn left in front of me. What I saw next, I didn't quite understand. It was like my brain took a few moments to process what my eyes were seeing. The passenger window was rolled fully down and sitting there was the palest woman I have ever seen. She was wearing a white hijab, which is a Muslim headdress, and her eyes were blacker than the dark woods around me. She was looking right at me, no, glaring at me. Her head turned as the truck passed in front of me. My eyes fixated on her and the truck completed the turn without skipping a beat. I sat there in shock for a moment. What the heck was that? I said to myself, unable to even believe what had just happened right in front of me. Moments after the taillights disappeared into the woods, I was overcome with a feeling of dread, and I got some of the worst goosebumps I've ever felt. Her appearance was terrifying, but on top of that, there were several things about her that were even more anomalous. For example, pale white hijabs are extremely uncommon. Next was the fact that, as much as I would like to explain it away, her eyes were jet black, not the pupils, both eyeballs, jet black. Yet somehow I could tell she was staring right at me. This is counterintuitive. Humans adapted small pupils compared to other mammals to be able to see where other humans are looking. We know when someone is looking right into our eyes because we can see their pupils. That's why in movies and TV shows, when someone has black eyes, their eyes look dead, so to speak, and you cannot tell where they're looking. You can only be clued in by where their head is pointed. But I knew for a fact in that moment, her eyes were looking straight into mine, and that fact terrified me more than anything. When I got home, I researched the hijab, looking for anything that may tell me if it was some kids looking to scare some people, but nothing added up. Halloween was months away, or did someone manage to buy or find a white hijab right around town at 1am and stare at people with fully black eyes? I believe now that what I saw was a woman in white. I never heard about anything bad happening to a man in a black F-150 in my town after that, so I hope he's alright. Maybe I was just crazy and sleep deprived, but it just seemed too real for me to pass it on as sleep deprivation. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Demons in the Haunted Ranch House From When Ghosts Come Out Four years ago, we lived in the most haunted house we'd ever lived in. I've told a lot of stories about this house already, but I didn't tell all the stories that happened in my old ranch house in Langston. It was a residential ranch-style house. The home was built in 1965, and it was built in a cul-de-sac neighborhood. Everything that happened here in this home was between when I was four years old to 12 years old, and at the time, my blood sister was two years old to ten years old. So yeah, we lived there for about eight years. And in that time, we experienced one of the most horrifying hauntings anyone could experience. The following happened in 2012. While the house was located in Langston, it was originally registered through a town called Stanton, because Langston doesn't have a town hall. My older cousin used to live there in that ranch house before we did. And before we moved in, there was a lot of wallpaper inside. The bathroom was this hot pink color as well. The outside of the house was painted yellow too. But when my cousin lived there, she mentioned that she had seen a black shadow on one occasion. She explained how a chair she had would begin to rock all by itself when she was alone. And on another occasion, she heard an old man coughing in the living room but it was just her and the kids there. Since then, the home was redone inside. The wallpaper was ripped down and replaced with drywall. The outside of the house was repainted a gray color now. She burned that weird chair after it rocked by itself, and she since moved out. I remember when we first moved in there. When we walked through the front door, we were met with the living room, which was a red maroon color. From there was the hallway and the kitchen, which both had popcorn walls. After the kitchen was the dining room, a yellow color. Then down the hall was a bathroom and a bedroom on one side, and two more bedrooms on the other side of the hall. One night, my blood sister had heard the toilet flush by itself one night when she went up to use the bathroom. The place was haunted for sure. My dad would often feel watched by someone or something in the garage. Plus, the basement door was right in front of the garage door. We used to have people living with us in the basement, but they moved out a short while later, and the basement was a completely empty room for a while. So it was vacant. There wasn't supposed to be anyone down there. However, we heard something coming from the basement one day. My blood sister and I were doing homework in the kitchen. Suddenly, we hear our computer turn on with the volume at max, Startled, we turned it down, wondering what was going on, when suddenly, we heard the loudest slam coming from the basement. It sounded like a massive bang, and it echoed through and shook the entire house. The two of us were freaking out. We ran to the garage where my dad was at the time, and we screamed at him. We wanted to know what was going on. He went down into the basement, and when he did, he didn't find anyone there but he did find one of the cabinet doors jammed shut. He had to punch it back open. As previously mentioned, we used to have people living with us in the basement, specifically my grandma and grandpa. We had the upstairs, basically, and they had the downstairs. They lived with us for only about two years. They had an Xbox 360 that they would play, but when they moved there with us, they noticed that the Xbox would be turned on despite having been powered off before. It would come on while they were in bed. My grandpa asked me years later if it was me doing it, but I don't remember doing anything like that, nor does my sister. Besides, we were always too scared to go into that basement. Every time I'd gone down into that basement, I felt as if I was being watched, and the feeling was so strong. All of this made me realize, never ignore your gut feeling. I believe it's there for a reason. And when I was in that basement, 
The feeling in my gut was so intense. I knew something was in there. Because of that, I was scared to go into the basement. My blood sister admitted to feeling the same too. At times when I was walking up the stairs, not walking down the stairs, but only going up, I would feel like someone or something was following me up the stairs. There would just be this strong energy behind me. But when I turned to look, I would be alone, no one else on the stairs. This would usually make me run up the stairs as fast as I could to get away from something that I knew was there but couldn't see. My dad also recalled hearing noises in our basement, like things moving around after my grandparents moved out. He said he would do his best to ignore them, that whatever it was didn't do no harm, so he'd let it do its thing. I also remember seeing black shadow figures peeking in at me through my bedroom door. This was around when I was five or six years old. Sometimes these shadow figures would be as little as a kid looking up at me, and other times it would be almost taller than my door, like a grown man looking down at me. I would see it pop its head through the door in the corner of my eyes, but when I'd look over, it would dash back in behind the door or wall. Imagine someone sneaking and peeking their head into the room. You see them out of the corner of your eyes, but when you look to see, they quickly dart their head back in behind the wall. This would happen some nights, but not every night. Another time, when I was really young, I would often talk to the wall, and no one would be there. I would be talking to nothing, and I barely remember it. My dad and mom caught me doing it one night. My talking had woke them up, and they came to check on me. They watched me from the next room over, and eventually I just fell down and went back to sleep. Another time, my sister was walking down the hall. She looked into the bedroom and caught me again talking to the wall. I was just standing there this time, talking to nothing. She walked away. It's crazy that I don't remember this. I wonder who I was talking to. My sister's room was only separated by a wall, the same one I talked to, and it was the same wall we would hear knocking from. Dad thought it was just us playing around, but it wasn't. He even separated our beds as far as he could from that wall to keep us from knocking on it. But it still happened, because it wasn't us. One night when my sister woke up, she said she felt as if she was being watched. She looked out her window, and she saw this thing standing in the middle of the road. She described it as a really old man that was so extremely skinny, he was basically a skeleton. He was also very tall, with really old clothes. He had white, long, scraggly hair, and he had green, glowing eyes. He was just standing there, staring at her through the window from the middle of the road. She popped her head down, then popped it back up, and she still saw him there. But the next time she blinked, he was gone, and she never did see him again. She told our dad that morning, but... Dad thought it was her just being a kid, an overactive imagination and all that. Years later, a lot more had happened. One time, my dad heard someone walking down the hallway. He was up using the bathroom, and when he went back to bed, he suddenly heard footsteps going down the hallway. No one was there when he looked. He thought it was us, because they didn't sound too heavy, he said they sounded like little kids' footsteps going down the hall. He said honestly he was pretty spooked when he heard it, and he asked us that morning, but we weren't up at that time. One time when my dad was in the basement with one of his exes, they were down there taking pictures, and at one point they took one in the basement bathroom. Not too long after they took the picture, they logged in to view the photos, and in one of the photos in the basement bathroom... They saw this little girl in a white dress with long black hair, a child, just standing next to the sink, staring right into the camera. I remember this incident well. I remember it spooked everyone in the family at the time. One time, my dad heard the sound of a radio coming from my sister's room. It woke him up. We didn't have that sort of radio in the house, and none of the TVs were on and everyone was in bed. 
The following morning, he told us about it, but no one else had heard it. One night, my sister felt tugging on her blanket, and it woke her up. When she looked down, nothing was there. She went back to sleep, and suddenly she felt someone or something pulling and tugging at the blanket, again. My family searched her room, for whoever or whatever was causing it, but they didn't find anything out of place. They assumed, or rather hoped, it was just a rat. Years later, after the basement was empty, my older stepsister needed to move into our basement for a while, as we didn't have any room upstairs. When she was sleeping in the basement, she suddenly heard what sounded like grinding. It was like a shovel scraping against concrete. It scared her pretty bad. And that morning in the basement, we searched for what it might have been, but once again, we didn't find anything strange down there. One day when my dad and his ex were talking on the phone in the kitchen, suddenly all the photos on the living room walls and shelves flew right from their positions. He said he had heard a crashing noise in the living room. He ran in there only to find all the photos on the floor. He had to pick them all back up. A lot happened over there at that house. One of the more frequent occurrences was that my sister's old room would always start to smell like alcohol out of nowhere like someone had been drinking really heavily in that room. Keep in mind, my sister was only seven at the time. Not to mention my old pit bull would always growl at the corners of the walls over there. Just out of nowhere, my dog would just start growling at corners, like something was there that we could not see. Me, my dad, and my sister found old scraggly hair in her room one day. No one knows where it came from. It didn't look like my sister's, mine, nor my dad's, nor anyone that was in that house before then. There was also another strange happening going on. When my dad would get into relationships with girls while living in that house, things would get more awful. Like when my dad was dating a woman after my real mom left him, things got more active. We'd see and hear the spirits more and more. One time when my dad first met my stepmom, we brought her over to the house Keep in mind, we never said a thing to them about ghosts or weird happenings over here. My youngest stepsister went walking down the hall into my sister's bedroom when she saw that same old man that my sister saw standing in the road through the window. But he was standing in my sister's room this time, the same old man, super skinny, old clothes, long scraggly hair. However, this time, his eyes were glowing red, he was staring at her through the doorway, standing in the middle of my sister's room. When my stepsister blinked, the man was gone. After that, we began to hear knocking on our bedroom windows at night. It seemed to be coming from outside, and it would wake us up in our beds. It seemed to always happen between 12am and 4am. We would go to see outside in the middle of the night to see who it was, but every time, there was no one there. Apparently, my oldest aunt told us that my dad had heard knocking on his bedroom windows too. When I was seven or eight years old, I began to see these dark shadow people almost all night every night. I would be watching TV, or when I'd wake up and need to use the bathroom, I would see them in the corner of my eyes always poking their heads out at me. Sometimes I would see it pass by my door as well. I began to sometimes see them standing in the doorway from the hallway in the dark. Just as before, sometimes it was a little kid, and sometimes it was a man. It became more and more frequent, and I started to dread walking out and using the bathroom because of it. On a different occasion, my dad and my stepmom were talking to each other one night in their bedroom. It must have been around 9.30. Out of nowhere, there were these four big bangs on our big living room window that faced out into our front yard. All the dogs began to claw and bark at that window, and when my dad and stepmom went to investigate, they didn't find anyone that could have done it. All of this together makes me think there are things really out there, things we can't explain. Since then, I wonder if anything new has happened in that home since we've moved. Better yet, we noticed that the house was up for sale last time we saw it. Over the years, I swear I noticed that the house would be bought and sold frequently, as if people were moving in then quickly moving out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. The Christmas Visitor from It's Only Me When I was in college, I lived at home to save money. I went to school locally, so it just made sense. My sister attended the same school, but chose to live in the dorms. One year, a few days before Christmas, my parents were out shopping and my sister was still in the dorms, so I was home alone with only the cat for company. She was good company, so I was fine with her, a good book, and some hot cocoa. I went upstairs and reclined on my bed, and I began to read. The cat curled up beside me, taking a nap. It was about 8pm, so it was fully dark outside. Now, snow in my area is rare in December, but this particular year we had a good amount of snow. It had snowed earlier that day, so there was a fresh, untouched blanket on the ground around the house. I had probably been reading for about 45 minutes or so when I heard a knock on the front door. The cat sat up and I sighed, beginning to stand up, when a knock resounded on the side of the house. I paused, confused. Why would someone knock on the door, then almost immediately knock on the side of the house? Then a knock sounded at the back sliding glass doors. I was getting worried. This isn't normal behavior. The cat's ears were perked up. She was listening intently. Then a knock came from the other side of the house, louder and with enough force I could feel a vibration in the floor. Then it knocked on the front again, then it sped up. It began pounding in quick succession on each side of the house, in sequence going faster and faster until the whole house was shaking with this thunderous knocking. I ran into my dad's upstairs office, Grabbing his 45 that he kept in a locked drawer and a baseball bat, I huddled on my bed, terrified, as no living being could move around an entire two-story home that fast and pound with that force. And if it was more than one person, I was in trouble. The knocking probably went on for only a couple of minutes, but believe me when I say it felt like hours. Then, just as suddenly as it had started, it stopped. Dead silence. I sat in my room, my cat perched on my bed beside me with the ears up listening intently, until we heard my parents' car in the driveway. At that, I bolted out of bed, ran downstairs, and greeted them at the door with a forty-five in one hand. The safety was still on, I'm glad to say my dad taught me well, and a baseball bat in the other, trying to stutter out what had just happened. They believed me because weird things have always happened to both sides of my family. My dad took the gun from my hand, and we both went outside together to check for tracks in the rare new-fallen snow. Nothing. Not even animal tracks. The snow was pristine. There were no marks in the house, either. I have no idea what it was that wanted in so badly that night before Christmas. I'm just thankful it never came back. An update to the curious dark figure. From Paul Blart. This is an update to the curious dark figure story I wrote back in October of 2021. I thought I'd give a little update to the happenings over the last few months between myself and the other security officers. But just to reiterate... I'm a security officer in the Milwaukee area, 
working the night shift, and as of now, I've been working at this business for going on six months. I continue to see dark figures moving about, and that constant feeling of being watched is still there. Whether it's my guardian angel or something else, I'll never know. While monitoring the cameras, I hear footsteps down the hallways with no one there, or I hear quiet, dull whining in the distance. This is in addition to light thuds or clicks. This could just be my imagination due to being tired or normal building creaks and functions. However, with some of these experiences, that just doesn't make sense. One of these security officers, L, who also works the night shift, shares the same experiences of hearing footsteps and seeing the occasional dark figures. One day on a foot patrol of the facility, he was securing the garage, and as he turned off the lights, as he was about to walk out of the garage, back into the building, he heard a voice coming from the other side of the garage, behind a trash can, calling out to him to come over to it. Now what was truly terrifying was that whatever was calling out to L, it did so in his own voice. Needless to say, he noped out of there and returned to the desk. I can only imagine he either ran or power walked back. After seeing too many scary movies, this is definitely something you don't go and explore. After calming down, he continued to do the shift without a hitch. But I remember being like, don't tell me that, because I don't want to fear having to dread that event happening to me. Luckily, so far it hasn't. L told me that not a few days after that shift, from the previous story, he would hear things down the hall directly behind him, but would look around, and nothing would be there. Later on, out of the blue, a placard in front of the desk on a table just fell over. The placard is an upside-down T-shape, so it couldn't just fall on its own. It was either pushed or somehow a breeze came through. From my experience in Dell's, there's never a breeze, especially indoors here. There's no AC unit. Nothing is blowing in the area. When we talked about it jokingly, we just said it must have been the wind and laughed. But we knew it wasn't. It could be the same thing as when the soap dispensers go off for no reason behind me. Nothing happens without something causing it to happen, whether it's of this world or not. One night, one of the female officers reported hearing an older woman crying not far from the desk. But after investigating, there was no woman to be found in the area. That certainly sent chills down her spine. However, I told her that's a normal occurrence here, although usually I hear it as a dull whining. This is the same officer that still almost refuses to come back, or at least wants to stay on the day shift. Any recent similar experience to the one where I had seen a dark figure in a window while I was on patrol outside the building, I was once again seeing a headed figure standing over my shoulder as I walked down the hallway. Again, this is a long corridor with mirror-like windows at the end due to it being dark. I turned around and of course found nothing. Then while sitting at the desk later on in the night, I was scrolling through the daily news and I heard a light tap on the window to the outside. This was a lighter tap than the ones I've experienced before. So curiously, I looked over to where I'd heard it and I kid you not, as my gaze crossed over the main door threshold to the window next to it, a semi-translucent young child was standing there, staring at me with dark eyes in the doorway. However, by the time my brain registered it, and when I moved my eyes back, he was gone. My heart instantly fell to the ground. Now there are older figures and a kid. I've always found kid spirits to be a bit more intense and scarier than old ones. Maybe it's all those horror movies I've watched. Other than getting a drink of water, I pretty much refused to leave the desk. It was just a gut feeling, but I wasn't looking to get pushed down the stairs that night, as I felt it was a bit more active than usual. I can see everything from the cameras at the desk, luckily. This was just a few weirder experiences over the last few months that we've had. I can say for certain that I'm not as afraid now as I first was, and I think it's due to it being a regular occurrence. I'm more than happy to keep giving updates if any more crazy happenings come about. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. 
before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there and stay creepy. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save